Welcome to Conversation Mill. My name is Rebecca Dale and I am the host of the show. I have a passion for sharing how the creation of thriving local economies benefits us all. I'm fascinated by how we come together to form our communities on a macro and micro scale and how our histories and stories when shared can not only motivate and inspire, but can facilitate understanding. As our communities, large and small, bring back a more progressive Main Street, individuals are stepping out to pursue their passions and local leaders are pushing back against corporate greed. It's time to engage these community leaders and small business owners in conversation. What are the driving forces behind their courage and success? And how can we continue to build communities that embrace diversity, support the local economy, and create a healthy ecosystem for the culture at large? Join us now in conversation. New Hudson Inn is so much more than what meets the eye or what doesn't. It not only carries the distinction of being the oldest bar in Michigan, nearly 200 years old, but also of being a stop on the Underground Railroad. With such a rich and colorful history, New Hudson Inn deserved ownership that believes in being part of the community. And that being part of the community is key to its longevity and success. In this episode, I sit down with Chris Stone, one of the partners of New Hudson Inn, and he shares what makes this place and this team so special and successful. To say I enjoyed my time with Chris and his marketing manager, Natalie, would be an understatement. They were warm and inviting and embodied what Conversation Mill is all about. Local communities, supporting small business, and small business serving the community in return through employment opportunities and giving back. But I'll stop there and let us get to the conversation. Enjoy and please join us in conversation with New Hudson Inn. New Hudson Inn is known as the oldest bar in Michigan. Yes. When did New Hudson Inn come to be, and what was its first iteration? New Hudson Inn was built in 1831. It was called the Old Tavern. Um, We have a thumb drive with all the uh, deeds on it. Okay. And like it was in 18, we did a renovation in 2016 and we stripped all the old uh, siding off. And when the sun comes up in the east, it says Smith's Hotel on the side of it. Wow. And that was on the deeds was 1837. But from 1831 to 1837, it was the old tavern and it became the Smith's Hotel. Um, and it's just crazy that the, the paint still stands out. But yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much from 1831 on, it's been serving alcohol or guests. and Wow. And what are some of the different iterations? Has it always been like a bar and inn or? It was part of the stagecoach stop from uh, Detroit to Lansing. It was part of the Underground Railroad. <clears throat> I don't know. It was probably 10 years ago. We had a medium come in here. Oh. And she's from Florida. She's a, my wife does hair and these hairdressers all believe in these mediums. So this medium comes in for lunch one day with the hairdressers and she goes, Hey, where's the hidden room at? And I'm like, what hidden room? I've been here 10 years. I've never seen, you know, I've been through this whole thing. She goes, no, I'm seeing a set of stairs. 
and at the top there's some loose boards. Well, wow. the way this place is set up, back in the day, the stairs to go upstairs were outside, like old John Wayne movie. You check it in the front and you go upstairs. Yeah. Those stairs were gone and we had a scuttle hole. Like my accountant, Julie, she'd go up a ladder to get upstairs to go to her office to do the paperwork. Okay. Uh-huh. Then there's a set of stairs that goes to this big attic upstairs. Those are the only stairs in the place. So I go up the scuttle hole, go up these stairs, and I move these boards like she talked about. They weren't nailed down. And there was a ladder going straight down between the two biggest rooms upstairs. And you couldn't see it from down below because there was a ceiling. And inside it was, you know, hats and clothes. And, you know, that's where they would hide the slaves. And there's no way that you would know that they were there. And then it moves on, you know, um, you know, there's legends that it was a brothel and you know, mostly an inn, a stagecoach stop, uh, you know, back in the day, it's a long way from Detroit to Lansing. And Yeah. You know. Wow. Did that medium make you a believer that day? <laughs> the medium said some other things. My wife's into that stuff. This lady said that. And she told me some other things because she obviously didn't think I didn't believe, but <clears throat> I'll veer off when it comes to a medium. I don't know if I should, but <clears throat> I went to a medium with my mom. My mom was dying. My sisters wanted my mom to see this medium to say my dad could come through and say it's okay, right, to come over. Yeah. She was sick. Well, the first thing this medium does is go off on me about my health. My dad's worried about my health. My dad's worried about my health. And she wouldn't stop. So real quick, at the end, of she said some stuff I knew that if what she said in this meeting, she had to know. Yeah. Well, when I got up to leave, she rubbed my side and she goes, I'm seeing like pancreatic cancer or something. It freaked me out. So like, uh, it bothered me. I went to the doctor. I didn't tell him exactly this, but I said, hey, run some tests on me, doc. So everything comes back good. And I said, no, doc. I went to this medium. This is what the medium said. He goes, well, shit, well, run MRI. He goes, I got good news and bad news. The good news is the cancer is not in your pancreas. It's in your kidney. Wow. So when it comes to mediums, it's changed a little bit. Yeah. But she was right. But anyway, the medium told us about where to find this hidden room that we'd never seen before. Wow. So once that room was discovered, that was part of the Underground Railroad, was more research done uh, to to learn more about like what stop it was or was there any written history of it? I mean, I'm sure it was kept secret, obviously, for a reason. Yeah, you know, like I said, the county's done some. I had a girl that worked here named Tracy. She'll always come and give tours still. Mm -hmm. And she did a lot of research. She's the one that got all the thumb drives, all the um, deeds and whatnot. But as far as the, the Underground Railroad, it's just part of the history. It's not, I don't can't find any documents on it. Or mm-hmm. How have um, you and the other owners worked to preserve the history of New Hudson Inn? Well, when we redid the renovation <clears throat> and found that, well, we found it with her. When we did the renovation, we pulled the ceiling all down and exposed it all <clears throat> so everybody could see it. And I think we did a good job doing it. And, yeah. Um, New Hudson is a special place. It's very comfortable to everybody, and it's the history <clears throat> lends itself to what it is. I mean, New Hudson is a comfortable like <clears throat> How should I say this? My dad said being a bar owner is like being a chemist. Whoever can put everybody in a in a bowl and mix it up and not have an explosion wins, right? Yeah. We, we pride ourselves on whether you're black, white, gay, straight, poor, rich. You'll have a 
billionaire sitting next to somebody that's making 10 bucks an hour. Yeah. And it's just a cool place. We don't judge. And it's, um, that was my dad's biggest belief is, you know, treat everybody with respect until they give you a reason not to. Yeah. And I think that's what we've done as a group here since we've owned it to make that come true. And that's why we're one of very successful. Yeah. That kind that kind of lends itself to to one of my other questions I was going to ask a little on a little further on is just because it's the oldest bar in Michigan doesn't mean it's going to be successful automatically, no, right? You still not. have to be good at what you do. You do, and she'll tell you like if it's not right, we make it right. I have a very I have the best. I'll put my crew against anybody: the front of the house, the back of the house, and we believe if it's not right, we'll give it to you, right? If if you give me a burger back and say, hey, this is overcooked, I'm not going to take it 50% off. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you a free app card. I'm gonna get... We don't make excuses. We make it right. And nowadays, that's hard to come by, right? Yeah. And if you do enough volume, you don't have to gouge people. Mm. And that's it. We've been blessed that we're busy all the time, um, that we haven't had to raise our prices with the cost of food going up. And, you know, the cost of beer went up 240 a case last year. And we're able to sell enough that we don't have to, which still makes the place very accessible to anybody. Yeah, I was going to ask that because food and beverage is notoriously hard business to be in because the margins are small, Absolutely. especially on food. What are some of the, you just kind of mentioned volume, but like what are some of the best practices that you guys uh, implement? It's just, I get back to it's treating people right. You know, as owners like Wynn and myself, my main partner, it's not about getting super rich. If we make a good living doing what we do and helping people, and that's another thing. We do a ton of charity here. We do. I guarantee we do more charity than mo most other places, and it all comes back. But if you treat people right and you give them a good product for a good price, you're going to be busy. Yeah. And if you're busy all the time, you don't have to gouge people, right? There's, you know, We could raise our prices to another... 10 or 15% without a problem. But right now we don't have to, you know, and yeah. if we don't have to, and why take advantage of people, right? And I think that lends itself to why we're busy. You know, um, when we did the renovation here, the township wanted, like, this used to be a biker bar, or be known as a biker bar. I heard that, right? yeah. So, and I'm a, I'm a biker, but we got bike parking out front because you can't put cars out there because it mm -hmm. blocks when people pull out. And they wanted me to take the bike parking and get rid of it, put it in a bag. And I said, no, it's part of New Hudson Inn, right? And um, whether you're a biker or a school teacher, you know, we've created a place where you can have 50 bikes out there. You got a mom and dad bringing their kids out, right? The kids are, the mom and dad are showing the kids the bikes and the bikers are cool with that, watching the little kids on their bikes. And as I said, it gets back to us treating everybody the same. It doesn't matter who you are, whether you're a biker or a lawyer or a doctor, we treat you all the same. And like I said, that's what creates a great business is that people know when they walk in here, they're going to be treated right. And don't get me wrong, we all have a bad day. Right. But our bad days are probably less than most. And when it is bad, we try to make it as right as we can without making excuses. So, what? When did you get involved with New Hudson and when did you uh, become owner? My dad and Wyndham probably 20, 21, 22 years ago, bought it. They started, my dad and Wynn got together and they owned Gus Lane Alley in Royal Oak. Okay. And then they bought this. And then my dad died in 06 and my mom took over and then she gave it to me in like 15. I was a fireman in Pontiac for 25 years. Oh, wow. So I would help out, you know, on my days off. Yeah. And then I retired in uh, 09 and started helping my mom. Then I got it in probably 14. Yeah. And you're involved in other businesses in the community as well? 
Just yeah. other restaurants, like Gustin Alley and Royal Oak, and built the log cabin out in Howell, and now Wynn's got two fogs, and um, yeah. But this is our baby. This is yeah. This is hard to recreate. Um, you have a extensive menu. You also have breakfast items. What are some of your signature items that people come into New Hudson in for? I'll tell you, it's all good. If somebody yeah. asks, I said, the whole menu is good or it's not on there. Yeah. And through like the COVID and stuff, right? We could, if you want to cut back, you could cut back. But when you go, when you, we look at our, what we're selling, everything sells, you know, just different times, right? So leave it all on there. It's all selling good. And I'm a believer in like, when we, we did the renovation, we brought in a chef, a guy named Chef Nick, Nick Agro, and he put together a, a menu for us that, is good for this type of place, right? Mm-hmm. With the Cubans and the Slim Jims. Slim Jims are great. We do a Big Mac on Wednesdays called the Big and Easy. Um, breakfast, we started a big jovial friend of mine, Chris Fletcher. When they changed the rule where you could drink on Sunday mornings, uh-huh. <clears throat> he's my best friend at the time. He goes, hey, let's do breakfast. I said, I can't cook breakfast. He goes, I'll teach you. Said, we don't have a menu. We don't need one. We'll just cook whatever they want. Right. And so we, we took biscuits and made donuts out of them, like okay. Rand's biscuits. So that was our little hook, right? Free donut. So we start cooking and we do like 40 or 50 breakfasts on a Sunday because we can't compete with Leo's during the week. But on Sunday, we can serve alcohol and they can't, we'll beat them. Uh-huh. Right. So now we'll do 250 breakfasts on a Sunday. So, awesome. you know, it grew and um, we give kids, every kid that comes in here gets a push up. We used to do ices. Now we do push-ups, right? Yeah. And my waitresses will tell you, I get pissed if the kid don't get a push-up, right? Because if I got the kid, I got the parent. And if that kid's eating a push-up, the parent's got another five or 10 minutes to have some conversation before they go, mm-hmm. right? And story that always, it makes you remember. So this woman comes in, she goes, I got to tell you, the push-up works. I'm like, what do you mean? She goes, my kids love to come here because they get a push-up. She goes, we got parent-teacher conferences, but the kids go, Mom, we want to go to New Hudson after the conference. Okay, just behave. So they're sitting in the parent-teacher conference, and the kids are like, hurry up, Mom, we want to go to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> the teacher's like, what? <laughs> but, you know, it's the little things we do. Like, if you come in here with your child and say, hey, can we sit at the bar? There's no law in Michigan that says a kid can't sit at the bar. And I, a couple of weeks ago, I had a dad and like a 10-year-old daughter sitting at the bar having breakfast, right? To me, that's cool. That's something that kid and that dad will remember forever. Yeah. You know, so um, it's just little things we do, whether it's the free donut, the breakfast, and we start the same guy, I'm a big, he's, he passed away a few years back, but doing barbecue, right? Hey, let's do barbecue. You know, at the time, barbecue wasn't big, it was big in the South. We started here and we do barbecue every Wednesday in the summer and it's really successful. You know, there you could see a sign out there to where we cook. It's it's my ta- I got a chef's table out there. People love to sit down while we're cooking and have a drink and you know just be part of it. It seems like you're very passionate about this place and you have your hands in a little bit of everything that's happening here. Where does that passion come from? Because if this has been in your family for quite a long time, it can be like, oh, that's just the family business. Like, I'm sick of this. I'm bored. But you really seem to be engaged and passionate. Where does that love for this place come from? That's where I was brought up by my parents. It's like my dad, I'm telling you, he was a very special man. He was like, he was a Detroit cop for 25 years. And he was, he grew up in a ghetto, right? In a in a bad area where he, he was a star of Redford High's football team, baseball team. His, his parents didn't believe in him doing that. They're Greeks off the boat that, 
we got a restaurant, you work there. He had to do his own laundry at his friend's house because as, as long as he was playing sports, they wouldn't have nothing to do with it. Wow. Right? Yeah. So he grew up just differently. He grew up treating everybody like he would never want to be treated again. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he went out of his way. If, if, if you needed something, he took care of you. He always had, this is going to sound kind of weird or sick, but mm-hmm. when he died, I told my mom, I said, what do you want? I said, I want his right pocket. Because I knew there was a bunch of cash in there because he always had money if somebody needed something. This is honest to God, right? Yeah. He was the first one that, you know, he, Gusley and Alley, when he's working down there, he, if people need help or his employees need help, you, you help them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, it gets back to treating everybody the way you want to be treated, you know, until they give you a reason not to. And um, growing up with my dad like that, and then when he passed away, taking this, you know, and, and treating people like he did, I do, it may be a little, like, we do a ton of charity. He always did a lot, but we do, we help out the Great Lakes Burn Camp. We help out children's cancers. Um, we probably, on any given year, give anywhere from probably 30 to 40 grand a year out of our pocket yeah. to different things. So, Yeah, and you guys have some, what are these... Uh... These are pledge cards for the Great Lakes Burn Camp. Like I said, I was yeah. a fireman for 25 years, and we're their biggest. The Great Lakes Burn Camp is a camp where you take kids that are 6 to 17, and they go to camp with just kids that are burnt, right? There's mm-hmm. no nobody under 18 is on that property that doesn't have scars or, you know, wow. burn trauma. And uh, if you go there, like we used to go there as a fire department, everybody take turns cooking each day. It goes for a week. And when you're not cooking, you're out helping these kids shoot archery. And when you see these a kid for the first year, right, when they come in, they're in line, in the food line, they're super shy, and you try to get them out of their shell. And then, you know, two or three years later, they're like, hey, how you doing, Mr. Stone? I mean, it just, it's awesome. It just, it, it makes it all worth it. And um, we we do this every year. We do a couple events a year for them, so... That's awesome. Yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit about your time as a firefighter? What you, you had a whole career in that. What what was that like? It's the best job in the world. Really? My dad was a Detroit cop. He said, "You want to be a cop?" I said, "Nope. Want to be a fireman." So Pontiac was hiring. I went there with like eight of my buddies to take the test, and I had to be the only one that passed it. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I love to help others, and I, I met some great great guys at the fire department that, you know, I put us against, just like I put this crew against anybody, the guys I work with at the Pontiac Fire Department, I put against anybody when it comes to getting a job done. It's just whether, you know, in Pontiac, we did all medical runs and okay. fires. So whether it's a, a heart attack, a shooting, a stabbing, a car wreck, you know, a fire, um, it's the best job in the world. It, it just... Wow. One of the questions I was going to ask was, like, what's the relationship between New Hudson Inn and the community and the community in New Hudson Inn? But you've kind of answered it through all the give back and, and how they respond. But do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more? Like, how does the community respond to you and what you guys are doing here? I think they love us as much as we love them. There's a When we're going to get ready to do this renovation, this place was falling apart. Mm. It was a mess. And this young lady, Tina Archer, she was the DDA rep at... Uh, township and she's like a saint right Mm. tina archer if you're listening to this you know um and she put her foot in my ass right come on man let's do this let's do this and the the original renovation was only the kitchen and the bathrooms we had the worst women's bathroom anywhere so i don't know if you guys go in there and see that that was my that was my baby making sure when women came in here they had the nicest you know that's awesome this used to be a dive i'm like seriously (laughs) and uh 
Tina Archer, she's like, come on. Well, originally it was just going to, well, when these guys started tearing up the kitchen and pulling the ceiling down, I'm like seeing all these old timbers, right? So I said to my buddy that's doing the job, I said, hey, is the front just like that? And he goes, yeah, why? And I says, well, well you got, I'll have the crew, we'll start pulling the ceiling down and do this. And he goes, you don't have time to do that. And I said, all I got to do is get this done before you guys get all this back done, right? And he goes, he kind of got like, oh, hell no. Well, I still had all my girls working, right? Even though we were closed. So we started pulling down two or three ceilings, right? That's when we exposed the, and the guy, he, the guy that just walked in earlier before we started, he goes, I got a guy that can corn blast this, right? All this old wood. So we can borrow his thing. So the guy came in, he goes, I don't want you to borrow my equipment, but I'll do it all for a thousand dollars. Oh, wow. And when he, he started going, we're all just like, holy shit, this is going to be really cool. Well, then the floor, there was three levels of floor, right? As the, the, the construction guy goes, there's no way you and your crew will get that floor tore up. Yeah, we will. Yeah. So I got my friends and all the girls that work here. Man, we're tearing up floor after floor to get down the original hardwood. And we called the guy, hey, can you come check this floor out? And he sanded a little spot with a sander. He goes, that's what it's going to look like at its original floor. Wow. We're like, let's go. And so we got all this done in like three months. Right. But Tina, Tina just kept going, come on, man, come on. She's like the cheerleader. The township, this Lion Township has been awesome. Like mm. there, I don't think I could have done what I've done without them making it not easy, but you know, some townships can be, you know, like, ah, it's like, yeah. they wanted this to grow. Right. Yeah. So Tina and the township just kept, and away we went just like with COVID. I don't know if you've seen we didn't slow down during COVID. Mm. Everything shut down, you know, outdoor dining only. So that room right there wasn't on there. We had a tent there right? okay, with four sides on it. These windows rolled up. We brought in big heaters where as long as everything's rolled up, we're considered outdoor. Everything's six feet apart. Well, then, you know, people were doing the igloos. Yeah. I want to do bonfires. So I go down, get the fire marshal. I said, I want to do some bonfires. And our live music's huge. Mm. So Troy Powell from Wonder Jump, really good friend of mine that does all my charity with me. He says, hey, I'm going to bring a truck down. We're going to collect toys for tots. I'm like, all right. And he goes, you can use it for a stage outside while we're doing this. Oh, right? Perfect. So we end up, fire marks comes down. All right, have, you know, fire extinguisher. Make sure every fire's out before you leave. So we're not getting calls that they think it's on fire. You know, because they know I'm a fire. I said, all right, yeah. gotcha. So we end up with 13 fires, a box truck that's got a heater in it for the entertainment. And we'd have 100, 125 people out there, wow. right? Like four or five times a week when everybody else is dead, mm -hmm. right? Budweiser shows up. Well, I don't know why, just to see the place because we're still ordering a truck of beer, right? Yeah. And my music guys, my chef John in the kitchen helped me do the fires all every day. It just took off, right? It was like, people will wait till it's February and it's 10 degrees out. You won't have anybody out there. I took a picture. We had 150 people out there. Oh, it's man. 10 degrees out, right? Yeah. And the, the deal was, they said no gatherings of more than 10 people, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody had to be, the way they passed, the, they changed the rules. So you could have outdoor seating up to 20,000 square feet. As long as it's spaced out and everybody's seated, it's considered serving. It's not a gathering. So I put all these chairs around all these fires, and I told everybody, you have to stay seated. And at first, they want to argue with you. Well, this is bullshit. 
But no, <laughs> I said, no, this is what we have to do to make this work. If you guys want to come out and enjoy this every night, this is what we got to do. And originally it started, everybody would go out there and wait for a table in here. Then it got to the point where, you know, people just come to sit out there and they could get their food out there. And, they, you know, every, everybody's got to be seated. The entertainment would keep telling them, you got to be seated. They called the police, the health department, the liquor commission every day, right? They're killing people in New Hudson Inn, right? Cops would show up, everybody's seated. Health department would show up, measure everything. They're all good, right? And they, they're, there's people threatening the health department. We're going to get your jobs for letting them kill people. And, you wow. know, and like I said, I'd have women, there'd be five women in their car hards out there having their drinks for their night out instead of, you know, being indoors. And yeah. We did that for two winters. And um, like I said, it's just, we get creative when we have to. Um, we could have just been like everybody else, but it's like, man, we can have some fun with this. And like I said, my chef John in the kitchen, he's he's been a saint because we were going through two cord of wood on a Friday and Saturday, which is huge. Jeff Hoskins at, uh, at this landscape, he said, come and get all the wood you want, right? So we'd go get load up his truck, his dump truck, and then he'd come over and dump it for us. And it just kept going and kept going and kept going, and it just... I love how creative and out of the box you are. People, especially business owners, can be very like, okay, if one thing worked, I'm just going to stick with that and and this is what we do and kind of put their head down and just do that. But it seems like you've kind of taken the blinders off and you see all these different possibilities. And that's a unique ability to have. If you do, if you do the same thing every day, you're not going to, it's, it gets stale, right? It's like people want to see just like whether I'm cooking out there or cooking breakfast, Customers like to see that, that I'm yeah. I, I'm in the game. You know, I'm not just walking around, like I said, and if it's not right, we'll make it right. And, you know, I was told that you don't sell drinks, you don't sell service, you're selling a reaction. Hmm. If, you're, if your waitresses don't create a reaction with the customers, find one that will. If your food doesn't create a reaction with the customer, find somebody that can make it, right? So that's the expression that you get out of your customers and the feedback, whether it's like I said, when we make it right, I'm going to get you back if you have a bad experience. I guarantee it, right? I'm going to, and that's what we're good at, man. Yeah. And I, I have a crew that, that buys into it. And um, my waitresses, like, I, I can't say enough. Even my kitchen, man, they, they never let me down. Like I said, we can all have a bad day, but most of the time they don't. Relationship building seems to be so key to what you're doing because you're talking about COVID times and having people call up and go, we got wood, just come get it. That's oh, huge, time. right? Like, yep. so you've spent a lot of time in your community building relationships, and it seems like with your team as well. Can you talk a little bit about that importance of being building those relationships in your community? My crew, like anything that goes on around here, um, there's music down the street that uh, music on the grand. Um, if the community needs, if the community needs anything, we're there to help, right? Um, and my girls, my crew. They're all on board. Like we 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 do it as a group. Um, we had a food drive during COVID, and I don't know. We collected eighteen thousand pounds of food. Um, was crazy. We're getting all this pet food, right? We're like, what are we going to do with this? The pet food went first. Well, people are down in their luck, right? The I mean, we we had them lined up all the way around and down Grand River, giving wow. away food after we collected it all, right? This girl for the burn camp, she says, "Hey, I want to do a can drive." Her dad was a burn victim. You know, and he became a counselor. Then he became a dad and his daughter. His daughter said, I want to do a can drive for the uh, burn camp. This was during COVID. 
Well, nobody could get rid of their cans because Kroger or anybody wasn't taking the returnables, right? So uh. I told all my customers, I said, hey, man, this girl needs some cans. Can you help us out? And I'm not kidding you. We had, we filled up a 20 by 40 pole barn, two garages, a backyard, right? I mean, the father-daughter come in and they got a whole trailer full to take with them, right? And I said, come on in and have some lunch, right? So they're in here eating lunch. And he goes, look, man, on Facebook, he goes, Look, we, this is before we loaded it up. I said, no, it's not. That's the hour and a half you've been sitting in here eating. That pile is back again. You need to get rid of your stuff. <laughs> Come back, get more. And wow. that's what, like, I'm on Facebook all the time. I, mm -hmm. We do live music. All our music, and me and my buddy that run my music do a show called Stoney's on the River every Monday. Takes We get up there about 15, 20 minutes, tell about what's the events that are coming up, mm -hmm. any charity events, any food specials, anything, right? And then our open mic starts, and it's all live. So on any any given day when we're doing music or open mic on Mondays, you can go on Facebook and watch it. So if if a guy's playing up here on Friday, his grandparents are watching in Florida. You know what I mean? That's so cool. we put I'm always on putting stuff out to people. So when I say, "Hey man, we need a little help," the community just goes whoop. Yeah. It, like I said, my crew is just the same, man. They they give everything they got, and you know. I think they like working for me as much as I like them. Like I'll sit there and roll silverware every day at the waitress station, just, you know, seeing how their day is going, talking. They think I'm just, you know, I'm a nice guy. I'm helping. And I, I am. Yeah. But I also like to see what they got going on, right? Sometimes you can sit there and, hey, do you need some help? You know, it's just, it's one of those things, right? It's a good, you can, I can see my, here in my kitchen. I, you know, I know when they need a little you know, sometimes it gets like we we're running a fine line. Like we were going so hard for so long during COVID mm -hmm. that we're on, we're going to flip over. We're either going to keep going or we're going to fall off the fence and crash. Right. And sometimes you can, you know, you could turn that knob down a little bit. Right. And people don't believe this, but I can just a little bit. Right. Cause mm -hmm. I don't want to lose my kitchen. I don't want to lose a couple of these waitresses that are having a, so you can dial it back just a little bit to, you got to, right. Otherwise, especially when it's hard to get help like it is. Yeah. I, I take care of them financially. Um, I believe I do anyway, wouldn't you say? Um. We, well, since we have Natalie here, let me let me get her on the mic too, because I think this is such a great time to ask her. Um, you are the marketing manager here? Correct, yes. So tell me a little bit about your, your work history in here and your career here and what it's like to be a member of this new Hudson Inn team. Okay, so it's wonderful to be a part of this team and they make my job very easy because of the community base that we have. And I think that that's kind of what my whole job is able to stem from is I'm very easily able to adapt to the community and I know what like they come and they're here because it's a family and because it's an environment that they want to be in, not because it's like, oh, I just need to stop for food and it's convenient. Like this is a destination because people want to be here and want to be involved in the things that we do and love to come and see Stony Cook or come for barbecue or come for the music. Like we're packed every night for all of music and we have dueling pianos on Wednesdays and like anything that we can do to get the community involved is there. So it makes my job very, very simple because yeah. we're already a family. So it just, it's just, hey, we're going to do this today. And they're like, yep, let's do it. So it's cool. Her mother-in-law, Julie, I grew up with. And we've been good friends for a long time. And I'm not going to get into how I ended up the day I got this place. But Julie 
her family owned a bunch of stuff where she did a lot of the accounting, right? Mm. And when I ended up with this place, I said, you know, it wasn't going to be my mom helped me out. It was just me, right? And I'm I'm not into financials and books, and I'm, I know I want to know my numbers, but yeah. I'm not sitting on a computer. So I called Julie up. I said, "Hey, something happened at the bar. Can you get up there? Well, I thought you weren't part of that. Get up there and help me out." So we take over, and I said, "Can you work for me? Can you do this? Because you know I can't." And she goes, "Yep, let's do this, right?" So I guess this was a this place was falling apart at the time. There's holes in the floor, um, so. She's my conscious, right? My partner, Win, he's awesome, right? He's, <laughs> he puts the money up. We're going to do this renovation. Just He puts up the money, doesn't ask any questions, right? So we get going, and I'm at Sam's Club, and I, there's a money counter, right? Count cash, right? right. So I called you up. Hey, man, they got a money counter now. You don't need no money counter. You got to make it first. I'm like, all right, bye, <laughs> right? So she'd give me a budget, right? And then, like, when we did the renovation, my first goal, like, we had a, Julie and I made a plan that, we're going to pay Win back before I take any money, right? We're going to. So boom, 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 we're going along. And, you know, when we did the renovation, it took off. So she's been part of it ever since from the beginning, right? But when, when, we, when I took over and she still, now she runs all the finances for all the bars. But without her, it had been a struggle. Like she'll tell, no, you can't do that. So then one day she calls me, she goes, hey, go get that money counter. You can do it now. <laughs> That's awesome. Right? Because you know it's like, okay, yeah. cool. Like nowadays you don't even get cash anymore. But um, no, like it, they're, they're, Julie sits upstairs in that office, right? And people are scared of her, right? Because like, she, like she's my conscious, right? She'll tell you no, right? Mm-hmm. But she's also the first one to say, hey, so-and-so needs some help. Give them a little extra money today. Yeah. Go down and give them. Because when you sit upstairs in the office, you can hear everything down below, but they can't hear you. So she'll sit up there doing her work and she'll hear somebody needs a little, hey, this girl, you know, needs some help with her insurance or uh, car payment or, you know, something like that. And, you know, we have a Christmas party every year for the crew and we do lobster, um, prawns, filet, salmon, and we give good bonuses, right? And we've never stopped. And the better we do, the better they do. Mm-hmm. And like I said, with Julie, she'll start putting money away a certain time of year based on the longer our employees here, the more they get. So the, the number grows because a lot of people have been here for a long time. Yeah. So, but without Julie and then Julie brings her in and the social media thing. And I think social media is huge, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's got its bad spots, but for a, for a restaurant or a bar or any type of business, if you use it, man, and people see you out there doing good things for the community and your and your and other people, I think it comes back a hundredfold. Where you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, the idea of like I don't need to be this super rich guy, like I don't need to be this multimillionaire, like I just love what I'm doing and and I'm making a good living. Where did that mindset come from? Because it's very easy once that money starts to flow to just be like, how do I get more and more and more of this and forget about all these people that are involved in making you so successful? If I can do what I want to do every day with my wife, I love her to death. We're going to Greece. We've been married 35 years. We're going to celebrate our 35-year anniversary in Greece. We're going to celebrate our 60th birthday in Greece while we're there. That's awesome. Congratulations. I, I Thank you. If I can do that and I can help my kids and my grandkids, I I'm happy. I'm blessed. Right. And, you know, I have a pension from the fire department Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, if I can leave my kids with, you know, something, you know, put some money away to do that. I don't, I don't need more than that. Right. I mean, it's like, don't get me wrong. I'd be being rich. I don't know what it'd be like, but 
Yeah. I'm, if I'm happy, you know, and my partner's happy and, you know, we're doing good. This place is crazy because I run a very loose ship, if you ask any of these people. <laughs> I, I Like, literally, it's like people come in here and they're like, how, how the hell you do this, right? Like, make money because it's loose. It's like <laughs> I hang out with the kitchen and, like, and it just. It all stems from family though like like he said he wants to be able to take care of his family but this is also his family and everybody here is also his family so being able to put the things aside for his actual next of kin yes but it's also for his family that's here and what we provide and that's why the environment is how it is is because everybody looks out for each other everybody's caring for each other you need this all right cool i'm here you need that i'm there they rides to work bussing a table it's, it's little things but it it makes a difference when you can work together as a team and you can all get along, especially in the restaurant industry. It's very hard to find yeah. an establishment to where everybody is going to kind of mesh and combine and you can still do good and they're still doing good and you're not fighting over little itty bitty things and to like have a leader that is able to establish that type of a environment for his staff is the whole reason that it is the way it is. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like when we did the fires, hey, you guys want to do these fires? You know, I, they're all like, hell yeah. And they thank you, right? Because you give them a way to make money. But we make money together. When we did the bonfires, you know, them girls were making bank because we're the only ones open and people appreciated that. Yeah. I mean, they were averaging 40% on their tips, you know, and um, don't get me wrong. They're putting in a lot of extra work because it's cold out, you know, if you're you're, when you got 13 fires going, if you're anywhere near there, you're warm. Yeah. But walking back and forth, you get a little cold sometimes, right? Yeah. And, um, I give the girls room to do their job. And they all, in return, they know, right? They know, hey, I need a free app card. Boom. I need, you know, they, they can fix stuff on their own without having to have a manager. Mm -hmm. let, let me go get my manager. They can do it on their own, which it get, I think it's better with the customers that way that they're not having a manager having to come up. It's like they know that waitress has their back and they're going to make their experience right, right? And they're very good at that. My girls are, you know, they're good at fixing things if they're not right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes customers don't even know it, you know, and I just, I give them a lot of room. Same with my kitchen, right? I'm not going to get into some, but they they have room to have some fun sometimes, you know. yeah. So what advice would you give to other uh, either want to be business owners in the food and beverage industry or in the bar industry or those who maybe are already uh, in business in this industry? What would be the best advice you have for them? Give the customers a great experience for their money and, and show them that you care. You know, I mean, like I said, that's what's special about here. People know we care. And people start a restaurant. I'm going to open this restaurant. I'm going to have this great food. I'm a good service, right? Here's my price, tough shit. If you don't like it, you know, um, if your food, hey, I'm sorry, you know, come back again. No, I'm not going to charge you for that. I'm going to get you back. It's that it don't exist anymore in a lot of places. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got, you know, these places don't exist in general. It's mostly corporate because it's hard. It's very hard for, for an independent person to start a restaurant with the cost of everything, right? Right. You got to open up busy and keep it busy or you're going to have to charge a lot of money because the cost is so high. And if you can get it, which is tough, you know, especially now, you're going to win. If people know you're treating them right, you're going to win. But you got to get there. 
And that's the toughest thing. And then you see a lot of people go out of business. There was a lot that went out of business during COVID. COVID was tough. But if you thought outside the box and you tried things, you could. Some people just said, hell no, I'm not do- it's, you know, I'm not going to put in the time. But if, if if you treat people right and you, you get your crew to buy into it, mm-hmm. like I'll take this crew anywhere. I'll take them to a high-end place, uh, take them to a white castle, and they'd be successful yeah. because they treat people right. And that's what it gets down to is making sure we're treating people right. Mm. What yeah. does the future of New Hudson Inn look like? A 200-year anniversary that's got Grand River shut down, right? Yeah. I'm serious, you know, 5,000 people. Um, just, it just, this is growing. I don't know if you've been up and down this road in the past, but mm-hmm. it's just growing. The Del Webb neighborhood over there. And, you know, we're at a spot now where we're as big. My kitchen can only serve the seats you see, right? Mm-hmm. After that, they get in the weeds if we do if we seat outside. And I'm at a point where I don't want to be any bigger. Yeah. I want to be good at what we do. We can be better than what we do, even though we're good. Um just want to be I want a line of people that want to get in here. I don't want to make it any bigger. Cause yeah. we can control this and do good doing that. And um, but seven years from now, five thousand, whatever, Grand River shut down. That's Seriously, awesome. Right? I mean, it'll be it'll be the party of parties. And like I said, Troy Powell from Wonder Jump, he took me. I just have a good bunch of friends and I've family that I've met through here and business people that they'll blow it up. Like I said, we did a food drive. We do we do stuff all the time and everybody just they never let it fail. And it's because, you know, we all help each other. And that's what in seven years, I mean, it, ain't nobody gonna miss it. Well, I look forward to coming back in seven years and partying up right right here on the street right. with you guys. What One last question that I ask um, all of our guests on the show. Um, if you could sit down with anyone alive or dead and have a conversation like we had today, who would you like to sit down with and talk with? She gave me a list, right? And I got to say my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad, I'm going to cry, but... My dad was a special man. I mean, I, I'm not like if you could ask her mother-in-law, right? My dad was just—he was a magnet to just good energy. Like when he died, there was the procession was a mile long. I mean, this—he was a special. Everybody, he helped everybody, and he did his thing my his way. I'm doing my things my way. That I took a lot of energy. But I love to sit down with him, you know, now and because he hasn't seen this, right? And yeah, um, just. And he'd be happy, but I mean, I, just to go over what I've done and, you know, what would he have done something different or, you know what I mean? Because yeah. he was so successful, not only as a police officer, as a father um, and a bar owner. And like I said, he taught me to treat everybody with respect, you know, mm. and um, it doesn't matter who you are. And it's taken me to where I'm at now, right? I, I help people all my life in the fire department and I've been able to do it here. Um, like she said, these are all my family. And I do, you know, I, if I can help some girl or one of the guys in the kitchen out and put a smile on their face, it's made my day, yeah. right? And maybe sometimes my year. Um, real quick, <clears throat> there was a kid in the kitchen. He got in trouble with the law for smoking some weed, right? Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Like not, it wasn't a drug dealer or nothing. Gets in trouble, gets in trouble again because he didn't follow through on his stuff, right? So he's got to go down to court. His family's no good. Mom and dad, drug addicts, right? So 
he's got to go to court. And this kid shows up for work every day, right? I said, all right. And I've been down in the court with my employees before, right? And I don't want this kid. This kid's got to, he's going to get six months in jail. Uh-huh. So I go down there and, you know, you know, when I go down there all the time, I've probably been down there a handful of times. And most of my kids, they can't dress up and they don't have the, you know, and when you go in there, some of these kids are all dressed up. They got their lawyers, their college students, you know. Right. And I'm like, so Carl gets up and, you know, judges, you know, you've been disrespectful to court, you know, not following through on all this stuff and <sighs> raised my hand after he said, can I have a word? And he said, step up. Who are you? I said, I'm Chris Stone. I own the New Hudson Inn. Carl works for me. And um, I said, look, I know he's been disrespectful to you. You know, I told him I'm a fireman, you know, I was a fireman. And I said, this kid shows up for work every day, Your Honor, every day. Does a great job. I know he's been disrespectful. He's got a couple of weed issues. I said, but if you give me a chance with this kid, I'll make it right. I promise, right? Hmm. And he goes, you sure? And I'm like, look, I said, not about the bar. It's about I'm here to help this kid that he doesn't get no help from me. He's got parents that don't give a crap, right? He's a good kid. And he goes, all right, thank you. And I'm walking away and he goes, Mr. Stone, can I have one more? Yep. Do you need him tonight? And I said, your honor, I don't ever need him. I don't even need me. It's going to continue on whether I'm there or not or whether Carl's there or not. I'm here representing him as a person. It's mm-hmm. not about the bar. And he says, all right, puts him in jail overnight. That's it. So Carl comes in, I don't know, three months ago. He works across the street now. And he said, I got to tell you, thank you, boss. I'm like, what's up? He goes, all totally off probation. You know, he's married now. And he goes, I couldn't have done it without you. I'd have been sitting in jail for six months, and I just came over here to say thank you. And I said, you know, what you should do is go down there and thank that judge. So that judge gives the next kid the opportunity he gave you. Yeah. So, but, you know. My dad would, would have done that. My dad would have been down there. Hey, Your Honor, look, you know, give me this kid. And it makes it easy to go down there, stand up for kids if if you believe in them. So, yeah. That's an amazing story. I love that. I think your dad would be super proud. Tell, it's like, it's just. Full circle. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us and, and talking with me and and thank you for what you do here, uh, you know, at not just at New Hudson Inn, but in the entire community. And like I said, I can't wait to party with you guys in seven years for ah, right. 200 years. We don't have to wait that long. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much for yeah, joining me. Thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, join us at conversationmill.substack.com for a couple extra minutes from our conversation and some additional pictures and footage from inside New Hudson Inn. Thank you for being a listener of Conversation Mill. The podcast is growing, but we need your continued support in the form of comments, likes, and subscriptions. If you've enjoyed even one episode, please take two minutes to comment under the episode or the podcast itself, or rate the podcast. Hitting the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast helps tremendously. Every like and subscribe helps me support local businesses and local nonprofits by giving them a platform to tell their stories. Together, we can foster the understanding, diversity, and economies that make our individual communities flourish, while creating our own community here at Conversation Mill. 
Also, you can join us at conversationmill.substack.com where you can become a member and receive weekly member-only content, including member-only episodes. I look forward to sharing a new conversation with you next week. And as always, thank you for your support.